loving Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for giving us the grace to see another day to be part of the living. Thank you for the privilege of life. We say may all praise, glory, honor, and adoration be unto your name now and forevermore. Father, we ask that you take our lives and consecrate it to your service. We want our lives to be the simple outworking of your will. We want our lights to shine, to so reflect the image of Jesus in our lives that your thoughts will be our thoughts, that your mind will be our mind. Therefore, we ask, grant us of your spirit, grant us of your grace, and through the words we'll be listening to in our devotion today, we pray that you sanctify our souls, put your words in our mouth, that we may speak words of life, relevant words to the upbuilding of the children of God. And I pray, Father, that all who will be listening will be blessed. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, October 21 Do I rightly represent my Lord? Ye are my witnesses, said the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 10 if believers associate with unbelievers for the purpose of winning them to Christ, they will be witnesses for Christ, and having fulfilled their mission, will withdraw themselves in order to breathe in a pure and holy atmosphere. They will draw near to God and send up earnest petitions to Christ in behalf of their friends and associates, knowing that he is able to save unto the uttermost all that come unto God by him. When in the society of unbelievers, ever remember that in character you are a representative of Jesus Christ, and let no light and trifling words, no cheap conversation be upon your lips. Keep in mind the value of the soul and remember that it is your privilege and your duty to be in every possible way a laborer together with God. You are not to lower yourself to the same level as that of unbelievers and laugh and make the same cheap speeches. In thus doing, you make yourself one with the sinner. This manner of conduct will only make you a stumbling block in the way of sinners. When the Spirit moves upon the heart, we should cooperate with its molding influence and we shall have noble aspirations, a clear perception of truth, meekness, teachableness, and will perform our duty with humility. This is the way in which you will become better acquainted with God, and acquaintance with God is the privilege of the Christian. Then you can labor for those who are unconverted, and the society of unbelievers will do you no harm, because your life is hid with Christ in God, and you seek the companionship of those who are out of Christ 
for the purpose of winning them to his service. Your connection with God makes you strong spiritually so that you can withstand any wrong influences which are exerted by them. Be sure to place yourself in the channel of light and to be a practical follower of him who went about doing good. Amen. The title of our devotion is Do I Rightly Represent My Lord? Our key text is carefully selected from the book of Isaiah chapter 43 verse 10 which says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. This text is directed at all who claim to be Christians, all who claim to be followers of Jesus, all who claim to be children of God. To you, God says, you are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen. A witness is one who would say what they have seen. What have you seen of the Lord? The world is asking you, O Christian. They want to hear from you. They want to see. What did you know of the Lord? They have not seen the Lord. You have seen him. You claim that you know him. And the Lord says to you also, Yes, you know me. You are my witnesses. But what are you showing to the world as a witness? What are you telling the world about your Lord and Savior? I remember the passage where Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 6 verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You are my witnesses, saith the Lord. But the Lord says, Why do you call me Lord? But you wouldn't do what I say. Therefore, if we must be witnesses of the Lord, if we must be his ambassadors, then you must do what he says. We should understand that the world is looking up to us who claim to be representatives, ambassadors, witnesses, Christians, witnesses of the Lord. The world is looking up to us. Unbelievers are looking up to us as examples. The world today, we have about 2 billion, over 2 billion are Hindus and also Buddhists. And then we have other religions represented like Islam, which is growing very largely today. And then there is those who claim, there are those who claim to be children of God who say they are Christians, that they worship the creator of heaven and earth, the one true God. Yes, but these over 3 billion are looking up to us and wanting to see whether we represent our Lord carefully. And the Lord also wants to see the same thing, for we are made as a spectacle unto the world and unto angels and to men. We are God's witnesses and we are to represent him properly. And the only way we can know whether we are representing him properly is by the word of God. When you go against what the word says, then you are not properly representing your Lord. In subsequent devotions, we have looked at this topic as a light unto the world. If you are a light, the word of God is a light. Proverbs 6, reading from verse, from verse 28 downward, tells us that the word of God, the commandment of God is a lamp and the reproof of instruction are the way of life. And the law itself is light. We know the all too popular Bible passage that says, 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is that that we are to reflect if we must be witnesses unto the Lord. We cannot go out there and do and say things that our Lord would not say. To be a witness of the Lord means to ask yourself in every situation, what would the Lord do were he to be in my situation? That is what it means to be a witness of the Lord. You have to properly know God. If you don't know him, you cannot be a witness of the Lord. But the only way you can know him is through study of the word of God. By beholding him, then we can become changed. We can know how he behaves. But there are many who know the Lord and know his teachings, but despise it, but yet claim that they are his representatives. They take upon the name Christian, but yet despise the teachings of Jesus. They hate it. They put it aside. When it is time to practice it, they lay it aside and they do other things. But yet they still take the name Jesus Christ. They call themselves Christians. Would it not be better if you stopped calling yourself a Christian and yet do things that are contrary to his teachings and his lifestyle? Wouldn't it be better? I know it will be better. Because every time that we misrepresent God, the name of God is blasphemed and profaned among the hidden. When we go about jesting and joking, speaking light and trifling words, we misrepresent the Lord. We read in our devotion, our high calling, page 300, paragraph 3. When in the society of unbelievers, ever remember that in character, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. And let no light and trifling words, no cheap conversation be found upon your lips. Keep in mind the value of the soul and remember that it is your privilege and your duty to be in every possible way a laborer together with God. You are not to lower yourself to the same level as that of unbelievers and laugh and make the same cheap speeches. In thus doing, you make yourself one with the sinner. This manner of conduct will only make you a stumbling block in the way of sinners. Oh my! It would have been better you didn't call yourself a Christian than for you to be a stumbling block. Because Jesus has laid a claim and he has said carefully and his word will come to pass that woe unto him that will lay a stumbling block. He says, it is okay, yes, offenses will come. But woe unto him by whom that offense will come. For it will be better that a millstone were hung upon his neck and he were cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. That is Luke chapter 17 verse 1 and 2. This is what God says. So you think you may take upon you the name of Jesus and do what you like, but there are consequences. He says it were better you didn't even do that. Because when we do that, taking upon ourselves the name of Jesus, as many are doing today, I'm a Christian, what's your religion? I'm a Christian. But yet, going contrary to his word and leading many people astray, laying a stumbling block for them, Jesus says to you, when you go about doing that, it were better for you that a millstone were hanged about your neck and you cast into the sea than that you should offend one of these little ones. That is what the Lord says. Therefore, we should ask ourselves the question, do we rightly represent our Lord? Because if we don't, it has grave consequences, especially on the life of others. We lead many astray when we misrepresent him. Once upon a time, I also had a tongue that would jest and laugh and joke. 
But then the Lord came into my life and made me understand in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Reading from verse 3, we are told, Let no evil communication come out of your lips, neither foolish talking, nor jesting, which is not convenient. It shouldn't even be once named among us. And I learned, and by the grace of God, as it is written in the book of Titus, that is what it was for me. In the book of Titus chapter 2, reading from verse 11, says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, and it appeared to me, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Titus 3, reading from verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Wow! And that is what my life was like also, but the grace of God appeared. And verse 4 now says, But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, which I have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, he saved me, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Amen. Maintain good works. Rightly represent the Lord. That's what it says. Has the grace of God appeared to you? And the grace of God teaches as we saw in the book of Titus 2 verse 11. It's not just grace and license to sin. No. The grace of God is the teachings because it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And then it also teaches us to live soberly. No more jesting, no more joking, no more trifling statement, no more cheap conversations, no more laughter over crude jokes and death and all the jestings and no, no more of that. You don't join them to say let's go by let's go, Brandon. You don't join them to say those things because you are a representative of God. There's no difference between let's go, Brandon, and the other things that the expletives people say, because when you say that, you also are misrepresenting your Lord, enjoining the people to say let's go, Brandon, and all other kind of statements that people make you misrepresent your Lord. But if the grace of God has appeared unto you, don't deny it. Allow it to walk in you do the things that the Lord will do were he to be in your position and show good works unto the people. Now, when we don't do this, what are the consequences? What is it that is going on? The Lord is pained. Like I said, it is better we don't take upon ourselves his name than to take upon his, us his name and misrepresent him. Romans chapter 2, reading from verse 17 says, Behold, thou art called a Jew, that's a Christian today. Behold, you are called a Christian and resteth the law and makest thy boast of God 
and knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art the guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hath the form of the knowledge and of the truth in the law. Therefore, thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that seest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. Isaiah 52 verse 5 Now therefore what have I to hear? What have I here, says the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught? They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. We blaspheme the name of the Lord when we claim we are Christians and we teach this and teach that but yet go contrary to what we teach. You say, oh, don't worship idols, but on your neck you are wearing chain and the picture of a man is there and you say, oh, Baba this and Baba that, oh, he is my pastor, he is my this and he is my that. But here you are idolizing a man while others are idolizing wood and stone and you say idolatry is bad, but you are also worshiping men. In various ways we worship men. When we go into the sports, there we are glorifying men, people shouting and bowing down to mercy wearing the shirt and hanging it up in their room and transforming their rooms into a football club, a representative or a brand. What are you doing when you do that? Is that not a form of idolatry? And then you say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And he said you shouldn't make any idols. Not even a picture of the Lord so-called is allowed. But yet we do these things. We blaspheme the name of the Lord among the hidden. People are watching us. Unbelievers are watching and when we do things contrary to the word of God, they are, they are aware of it. And assuming it was only ourselves that were harmed by it, it would have been better. But we place a stumbling block before the heathen by practicing things that are contrary to the teachings of the Lord. It were better not to name his name than to say you are a Christian and do things that will put people off that when they look at you, they are disgusted. And that was what happened to David. David's sin was public, taking the wife of Uriah the Hittite and then setting him up to be destroyed by the Ammonites. And when Nathan came and reproved him, he repented. In the book of 2 Samuel 12, but after he repented, there's something Samuel said that, uh, sorry, something Nathan said that we should take note of. 2 Samuel chapter 12, reading from verse 13 and 14. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. A true confession. And Nathan said unto the David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Amen. But look now, verse 14. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Hmm. Even though the Lord will forgive us our sins, when we make those light and trifling statements and cheap conversations and sin against the Lord, whether it is like David in ad adultery or like other people in idolatry, what have we done? 
Even when we repent, we have given great occasion to the heathen to blaspheme. And this is why we should be careful to rightly represent our Lord because they will blaspheme God when we misrepresent Him. Wherever we find ourselves, let me start with marriage. Are you rightly representing your Lord to your husband? Are you rightly representing your Lord to your wife? You must understand that every one of us are to be seen as unbelievers in a certain sense, not in the sense that we are really unbelievers, but we are to show to everyone, your husband may be a believer, but show to him what it is to be a child of God. Your wife may be a believer, show to her what it means to be a child of God. Ephesians chapter 5, reading from verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Wives to submit to their husbands. Wives, are you challenging your husband? Are you disrespecting him? Are you reducing him? His dignity down? Whitewashing him? Are you doing your duty to your husband? You see, we are not told to respect your husband or just when he respects you. No. Respect your husband. Finish. That is what it says. It is not something that comes. Just as a Christian is to represent the Lord, not because the world world is doing their own part. We also, as wives, respect your husband, not because he respects you, but as unto the Lord. That does not mean that you should give in to every demand of the husband. We'll get to that right now. Respect them as unto the Lord. That is, as far as you know, that what your husband is requiring of you is within the word of God. It's alright. The word of God doesn't condemn it. Then why are you not doing it? And then, even if he doesn't require it from you, what the Lord requires from you as a duty to your husband, are you doing it? You must be careful to ensure that you do not place a stumbling block to your husband and then he will despise the Lord because of your behavior. Rather, try to use your character to win him over unto the Lord in meekness of spirit and representing every teaching of the Lord. And of course, that will mean that sometimes he may demand things that the Lord does not require. You may, you will have to be faithful to the Lord because it says, love your husband, respect your husband as unto the Lord. So therefore, do they require you to do something that the word of God condemns? You must obey the Lord. Now to the husbands, it says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverenced her husband. Amen. Husbands now, oh, 
Women have been changed to sex objects. Do you rightly represent your Lord when you do that? You want to engage in anal sex, but will you allow yourself to be penetrated through your own anus when you want to do that to your wife? Is that what it means to cherish her as you cherish your own body? Of course, that's not what it is. If you are to treat your wife as you treat your own body, then do unto her what you would love to do to yourself. You are to take care of your wife carefully in love, thinking of her own good, trying to maintain her. That's what the Lord does to us, maintenance. Supply all that is needed to nourish her as God nourishes the church, that she may grow, not to use her up as a disposable item but to take care of her and to provide all that you can within your own means necessary to ensure that she's in good health because when you do that you are helping your own self when you buy your car how do you treat your car do you not try to maintain it do you not check the oil do you not put the water do you not change that oil and buy fuel for it all the time do you not tell the people to wash it and clean the tires and even under it to ensure that everything is in good condition but many of us treat our cars better than we treat our wives. And the Lord is telling us husbands today, love your wives as you love yourself. Do not treat her as a disposable item to be used just for your own gratification and that's all. All you think about is what they can do for you. But you are not thinking of maintaining her. And that's why after you've used her, you can go outside and then perhaps find another woman to make use of but if you knew that this is all you had you are not looking outside for another woman this is all you had for the rest of your life if i'm going to live for 100 years i have to take care of this property so that it can last for me for the next 100 years not to use it up and dump it and then despise it that's not what you are supposed to do Husbands, you are not to go and watch pornography and then say, I want to practice what I see in the pornography upon my wife. That's not what you are supposed to do. Do you rightly represent your Lord when you do that? You are not rightly representing your Lord, especially if you husband are an elder, a pastor, or someone who holds position in church and claim that you are a Christian. And then you do these things and your wife is looking at you and wondering, what kind of man is this? Is this what it means to be a Christian? Do you rightly represent the Lord, O husband? Love your wives, cherish her, nourish her, maintain her. And wives, you are told to reverence your husband. You know, when we read the book of 1 Peter, where Peter talked about Sarah and her attitude towards her husband, if you look at it there, Peter said, Even as Sarah also respected her husband even calling him lord some people say oh that's what was done in the old times it's a lie that's not true when peter cites sarah as calling her husband lord he is saying that it was even in her time a phenomenal thing it was not done and that's why he cited it when he says even calling her lord that means it was not something that was popular even in sarah's time but yet in that unpopularity of such an act she respected and reverenced her husband to the point of calling her my lord and many women would say i would not do that they feel like it makes them look like slaves but does your husband treat you that way it is not the word that you use on your lips that actually represents what you are but it's the attitude be between each other you can't do that 
and it is what the Bible exhorts you to do, to reverence your husband, to respect him. In fact, the word used here is reverence. And it shouldn't be beyond you to reverence your husband and, and husbands. It shouldn't be beyond you to love your wives, to assist them in the kitchen, to assist them in taking care of the children. Don't look at it as a work that is beneath you. Love your wives to that extent. Love your wives and helping them in all things. This is what it means to rightly represent your Lord in the marital relationship. And as children, we are told in Ephesians 6 verse 1 to 4, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Children may be exempt because they don't know the Lord. Every child is an unbeliever, but as a parent who is a believer, you are to represent Christ to your child. Some of us, our parents may, our children may hate being Christians because of the way we have behaved towards them. We are not as tender and compassionate and merciful and loving as our Lord. And we do not correct them as we should. When we need to, we allow them to be indulged and behave as they want, claiming we love them. Is that what the Lord would have done were he to be in your position? Correct your child, the Bible says. Train up a child in the way he should go. Spare not the rod, that's what he says. And also he says, be tender, be pitiful, don't threaten. Do not engage in wrath and violence upon your child. And teach them how to be children of God. And children, you are told, obey. Obey your parents in the Lord. Are they asking you to do something that is in harmony with the word of God? Then do it. Do it because your parents are requiring you to obey the Lord. And how about as employees? We are told in verse 5 of Ephesians 6, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men please us, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And then when we read the book of 1 Timothy 6 verse 1, it says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Titus 2 verse 9 exhorts servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things. Not answering again. That is not talking back. Don't talk back to your master and to your employee. Don't challenge them. But speak humbly and meekly to them. 1 Peter 2 verse 18 Servants, be subject unto your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Colossians 3 verse 22, Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not in eye service as men please us, but in singleness of heart fearing God. So here it is that we are told as employees what to do with our employers. Do you know that the name of the Lord can be blasphemed through you? Yes, as we read here in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 1, Count them worthy of all honor. And how many of them? Only those that are good? No. 1 Peter 2 verse 18 says, that even to the good and gentle, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the wicked, that's the fraud. Is your is your employer wicked? Do not disrespect them, even if they are wicked. 
Take note of it, 1, Timo- 1 Peter 2 verse 18, not only to the good and gentle masters, but even to the froward, the wicked masters, we are told, be obedient. Please them in all things, not answering again, be subject to them. We all know that there's a clause on this, which is, if they require you to do something that is contrary to the will of God, of course you won't do that. But you must respect your masters. Do not go behind and insult them. Don't go to the staff room and join everybody insulting your masters and in crying them down and mocking them and ridiculing them and hating. Don't go in their presence also and challenge them. But rather you can express your views in meekness and lowliness of mind. But also in respect to God, knowing that you are actually serving God, not men. You are serving God. Don't give in to their demands when they ask you to do something that is contrary to the word of God. For in doing that, you are blaspheming God when you do that. If we are not saying here, oh, just do everything to please every man. No, it is to please God. So when your master requires you to do something contrary to the word of God, like it was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like it was with Daniel, you refuse, respectfully refuse. And whatever the consequence will be, you do it because that is how you rightly represent your Lord. And then for the employers, we are told still in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse 9, And you, masters, do the same things unto them, that is to your employees. The same thing the servant and the employees doing to the master, you master, you are told. So as a Christian employer, don't threaten, that's what it says, forbearing threatening. Knowing that your master also is in in heaven, neither is there any respect of persons with him. You see, the world teaches in business management that when you want to do change management and when you bring up the policies, you try to do some participation. Let them be part of it. Let them see that you are bringing it because you love them. But then they are also told that you can threaten them if they don't do what you want. You don't follow that teaching. The word of God says forbidding threatening. Do you need to lay off someone? You don't need to threaten them. Just simply tell them this is what needs to be done for us to work together. And if you can't do it, then it's not possible. Two cannot work together except they be agreed and give them the choice. Either you follow what we are doing here or you can leave. You don't need to threaten and shout and cry them down and, and then start to make them afraid of you. When you do that, you are not rightly representing your Lord. When you follow the command culture, directive, authoritative way of doing things, you are not rightly representing your Lord. For that's not the way our Lord is. As an employer, we are told forbidding threatening. And also, when it comes to citizens of a nation, we are told that we should be careful as citizens of a nation to represent Christ well. Romans 13 verse 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Titus 3 verse 1, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. 1 Peter 2 verse 13 and 14, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Of course, we know that all these are placed under the commandment, the first commandment which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Our first duty is to God before 
it is to men. So when the word of men come in contradiction to the word of God, like Peter and all the other apostles in the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 19, and then it says, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things, and I will say do the things also, which we have seen and heard. Acts 5 verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. But except in conditions like this where the word of men is contradicting the word of God, we are told, Submit yourself. We are today facing a vaccine mandate. The word of God tells us that our body is his temple. It's our choice to either take it or not. We are not to follow such mandates and say, Oh, they said we should do it, therefore I'll do it. No, you are not rightly representing your Lord when you do that because your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And you have to be careful and inquire what is being done to your body in the things you eat and the things you inject yourself with. So, you are not rightly representing your Lord when you go about doing whatever they say just because they said it. But many people are just trying to protect their money. That's the reason they are doing it. Some have misdirected health reasons, but others are just trying to protect their bank account. They don't want to hear anything that makes them lose their job. They don't want to hear anything that makes them to put it, be put in a condition where they are thinking, oh, the banks are going to take my money. Let me take the vaccine and all of that. And now they are wrongly re- representing their Lord because they are considering money over their body temple, which belongs to the Lord. But apart from that, does the country, does the nation give a law that is not wrong? submit to it is what we are told rightly represent your lord and then as a reach to the poor in the book of james 5 we are told do not withhold the wages of the poor pay them their money because when you don't pay them they will blaspheme the lord many of them will say is this what it means to be a christian i have worked in a place where people have claimed made high claims so they are godly people children of god owners of the company but yet their behavior make the people disgusted so disgusted and yet you call them come for prayer and you when the staff come for the prayer they are so offended so disgusted some of them don't even want to be involved why because of the way they are being treated by their employers by the rich the way the rich treats the poor makes the poor to blaspheme the lord we are to rightly represent our lord in all things but then we cannot do this except we do something else. In our devotion, our high calling page 300 paragraph 4, it says, this is what the criteria is. You may know, oh, I'm supposed to represent my Lord, but you won't do it. Except you are always placing yourself where the light is shining. When you go in the presence of unbelievers, you will misrepresent God if you have not stood with Him in prayer, if you have not been studying your Bible, if you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to mold you, you will misrepresent Him. It says, when the Holy Spirit moves upon the heart, we should cooperate with its molding influence, and we shall have noble aspirations, a clear perception of truth, meekness, teachableness, and will perform our duty with humility. This is the way in which you will become better acquainted with God, and acquaintance with God is the privilege of the Christian. Then you can labor for those who are unconverted. And the society of unbelievers will do you no harm because your life is hid with Christ in God and you seek the companionship of those who are out of Christ for the purpose of winning them to his service. Your connection, are you connected? Your connection with God makes you strong spiritually. 
so that you can withstand any wrong influences which are exerted by them. Amen. If you are not connected, vitally connected, through study of the word, through memorizing of the scriptures, through meditating upon the word, through prayer, and then cooperating with the Holy Spirit when he is trying to change you, make those changes. Allow yourself to be changed by the Holy Spirit. If you are not doing that, you will misrepresent God. So the foundation of rightly representing the Lord is in what I have just said now. And the ways to represent the Lord I have already said in various ways and various areas we find ourselves. I pray that the Lord will help us. Find yourself in that foundation. Stay upon the lights. Study the word of God. Listen to sermons. Allow those things you learned to be practiced in your life. Stand firm in the Lord and you will rightly represent him and you will hear the Lord say to you one day, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. May he say that to all of us is my prayer. Amen. Amen. What a thought that Christians who walk about carrying all these crosses with images on their necks all in the name of Christ are bearing false witness. Idolizing contrary to what the commandment teaches or the case the text again says that ye are my witnesses saith the Lord and my servants whom I have chosen now to be a witness is a serious matter in court by witnesses testimony the accused can either be convicted or acquitted so if our Lord is saying that we are his witnesses, then it also connotes that God is on trial. The maker of man is accused of so many things before his creatures. So he depends upon us to prove the case, to vindicate his name, to tell them in court what he has done for us. Now in the Jewish economy, in their court system, the role of a witness is even more grave as compared to ours. If a man had a controversy with his neighbor and takes the matter to court, they will not cross-examine the accused. Rather, the witnesses are thoroughly cross-examined. Remember the case of Jesus when the witnesses could not agree in their testimony. If the counsel find any discrepancies among the testimonies of the witnesses then the witness is a false witness as a result the witness will suffer the very sentence that was reserved for the accused and the accused is then acquitted Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15 let us read from the Bible it says one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin in any sin that he sinned at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established verse 16 says if a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord before the priest and the judges which shall be in those days and the judges shall make diligent inquisition 
and behold if the witness be a false witness and had testified falsely against his brother then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother so shalt thou put the evil away from among you and those which remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you and thine eye shall not pity but life shall go for life eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand foot for foot end of the text so here is a statue of the lord for preventing of frauds and perjuries for the divine law takes care of men's rights and properties so does the lord have a controversy with man Hosea chapter 4 verse 1 it says hear the word of the lord ye children of israel for the lord had a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth no mercy no knowledge of god in the land by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery the brick out and blood touched blood see where we have about eight count charges against the witnesses we that were supposed to be witnesses for him see what we are doing no truth god is charging the world with no truth count one what no truth in the land you mean to tell me that we that are establishing new churches every day and baptism upon baptism there is no truth in the land you mean to tell me that in africa alone where we have over 20000 denominations that all these discrepancies in doctrines is coming from the same bible somebody is deceiving us someone is lying to us the witnesses are liars the witnesses are deceivers so let us look at it what is truth that was a question that pilate asked jesus what is truth psalms 119 verse 142 thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and thy law is the truth the law of the lord is the truth but they told us that the law of god is nailed to the cross it was nailed to the cross it was for the jews it is for the old testament people so how do we know what sin is if there is no law you see when when the priests and the the the, the pastors want to collect tithes they don't tell us that it was nailed to the cross but when it comes to the law they say it is it was nailed to the cross psalms 119 verse 151 thou art near o lord and all thy commandments are truth all thy commandments are truth not some of thy commandments not nine of the commandments the 10 commandments all of them are truth the witness told us that when jesus died the day of rest was changed Let us read again Psalms 119 verse 152 concerning thy testimonies I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever in other words forever it has been founded from 
of old and it does not change he says of himself i am the lord yesterday today and forever and i change it not for heaven and earth matthew chapter 5 is 17 and 18 for heaven and earth shall pass away not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law not one command has been annulled not a jot or a tittle has been changed those principles that were made known to man in paradise as the great law of life will exist unchanged in paradise restored when eating shall bloom on earth again god's law of love will be obeyed by all beneath the sun thoughts from the mount of blessings page 50 but why is the priest why are all the rulers the pastors not telling us this why are they saying contrary to what the, the Bible is saying? Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 26 Her priests have violated my law and have, and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the clean and the unclean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath and I am profaned among them. The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. Remember, he's, another controversy he had with the nations is that there is no knowledge of God in the land. He says, The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 8 For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, and an iron pillar, a brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof against the priest thereof and against the people of the land jeremiah chapter 1 verse 18. so it, it got so bad that god raised jeremiah to be a pillar against the princes against the priest against the prophets against the rulers jeremiah chapter 2 again verse 26 as the thief is ashamed when he is found so is the house of israel ashamed they, their kings, their princes, and their priests, and their prophets. But why is it that the, the priests and the prophets prophesied with boldness and without shame? Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 31. The prophets prophesied falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? You see, beloved, it is because we are so used to lies. We love lies. That is why when they prophesy falsely in the name of the Lord, the people collect it because they love to have it so. So we see that of what use is a witness if the witness will go and testify against the person that he was supposed to acquit. Isaiah chapter 34 verse 8 No wonder why the Lord is saying that For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance And the year of recompense for the controversy of Zion A 
judgment is coming. God is not going to continue taking this for too long. It says that a noise shall come even to the ends of the earth. For the Lord had a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give them that are wicked to the sword. See the Lord, Jeremiah chapter 25 verse 31. The Lord had a controversy with the nations. The Lord had a controversy with men. There is no mercy in the land. Remember the Lord who is plenteous in mercy. But how can it be that his witnesses are so unmerciful? They have no forgiveness. There is no knowledge of God in the land. No wonder why says my people are destroyed. They, are, they perish because of lack of this knowledge. By swearing. Everybody swearing in the name of the Lord. Liars. They are lying. They kill. By stealing all these witnesses that have read from the commandment that thou shall not steal are the greatest criminals are found in the church today even those who are supposed to be guardians of the commandment are the greatest breakers of it and committing adultery committing adultery all kinds of sexual sins as our brother have said is roaming even in the church the leaders are leading the flock into a ditch as the blind leadeth the blind. Beloved, the reading is calling us to change our ways. Because the records we read in Daniel, the books are open. There is an investigation going on on behalf of men. Every witness is being investigated. Every man's work passes in review before God and is registered for faithfulness or unfaithfulness. Opposite each name in the books of heaven is entered with terrible exactness. Every wrong word, every selfish act, every unfulfilled duty, and every secret sin. With every artful dissembling, heaven sent warnings or reproofs neglected, wasted moments, unimproved opportunities. The influence exacted for good or for evil. With its far-reaching result, all are chronicled by the recording angel. The law of God is the standard by which the characters and the lives of men will be tested in the judgment, says the wise man. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every word into judgment. The apostle James admonishes brethren, so speak ye and do you as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. A great controversy 482. Now we see that we have our work clearly spelled out. We are witnesses. Are we testifying for Christ or testifying against him? Leading people away from him or leading people to him. No wonder why he did not say a that we are hermits we are not to shut ourselves out of the society but he wants us to be insulated so that when we go to the people we will not be affected by coming in contact with them but because we have shielded ourselves with the law we only engage them with the purpose of bringing them to the change that we expect to see that he wants them to have a changed life. So my prayer is that we become awakened 
to our responsibilities and our duties as witnesses so that he will say of us like he said of Job have you considered my servant Job he eschews evil so my prayer is that we get close to God we commune with him we learn of him so much so that we get to the place where we begin to hate evil and then we'll have no pleasure in it whatsoever and we'll become one with our Lord and Master we become true witnesses for him amen let us pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Lord, we thank you for your wonderful words of redeeming grace. We thank you for redeeming love that had called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. But we see clearly that the enemy of souls is not happy that we have been employed in the work of bringing our fellow men into light. And he is trying to undermine our confidence, our faith, our trust, our love. and you and then he's using all kinds of tactics and skills all kinds of methods and so lord we thank you for your word this morning reminding us that all these trifling jokes and laughs and speeches jesting all of them will not recommend us to thee help us maintain soundness but not cheap talking help us stand amidst this floods of comedy that is surrounding us and not be tainted by it and not be tempted to repeat it and not be tempted to even laugh because of it thereby giving sanction to it seeing that even your name is now a subject of ridicules and jokes lord help us to stay true to this commitment that we may become true witnesses for thee even in this life this is our prayer to Christ our lord amen <music>